0: Welcome to Remember When, a
1: podcast for capturing the stories, insights, and lessons learned that will enable you to age forward with grace and ease. I'm your host, Kiki, and today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. Now here's Reverend Jack Elliott, or as we like to call him, RJ. Thank you, Kiki. Hello,
2: everyone boy is this going to be a good podcast. The theme today is tell the truth or at the very least don't lie. I can't wait for you to hear how we work on this rule from the 12 rules for life by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. But first I want to remind you that we gather live on the last Saturday of each month at 8:30 a.m pacific time for our book discussion of whatever great read we're doing. So this podcast is exploring that rule, but we've invited some very special friends from Elder Pride to join us for the conversation. I hope you enjoy today's program that we're going to join in progress. As I say, tell the truth, or at the very least, don't lie am reminded of uh, is that when I uh, first went to work for Bank of Tokyo, uh, which in California was at one time California First Bank, but is now Union Bank, Bank of Tokyo owns it. And that was my first job in human resources. And one of the things that they would do when they were recruiting for executives they would give you an invitation for an interview for Saturday morning at 8.30. And candidates would get to the bank at 350 California Street in the financial district of San Francisco and the door would be locked. (laughs) And those that would walk and show the initiative to go find the security officer, the security officer was prompted to tell them, yes, go around and walk in through the parking garage and take the elevator up to the ninth floor. Those were the only candidates that were considered for the management program because they were considered to have shown the initiative and the tenacity and the perseverance to Mm. get there for the interview. Mm. If anyone went to the door and called and said, the door is locked, I can't get in. They were thanked very much for their time. And, uh, it was a very interesting kind of approach. And, you know, my, certainly my first, what I would call my secular training, uh, was with the bank of Tokyo and they had some an amazing executive management skills that, uh, served me throughout my entire career. But one of the things that they would do is each afternoon at 3 p.m., you went for a mentoring session with the executive that was the head of your department. Hmm. And that executive that was the head of your department, so the executive vice president of human resources in my situation was a gentleman by the name of Kazanoe. And Kazanoe would always have a lesson prepared for that discussion. And oftentimes what he would do is he would lay a document in front of me and say, Jackson, because they would add the, the greeting at the end of your name. Tell me what you see here. Tell me what is revealed to you in this document. And I would look at the document. And sometimes it may have been a document that I had already used. Other times it was something new to me. But I would express what it is that I notice about the document, talk about how I would think it might be used, and he would go, very good, you may return to your desk. Other times, if I didn't know what the document was and I didn't know how to use it, then it would be an instructional thing and he would walk me through it and talk to me about the document and I would learn what that document represented and how we were to use it knowing very well that within two or three weeks, that document would again appear on his desk at the mentoring session at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so it was a gift to be in a situation where there is an understanding the value of mentoring and working together. And one of the things that we've done in the design of Elder Pry is try to set up our teaching and what it is that we do kind of in a similar way, where it's a very casual environment where one learns and where one comes together to, to really ponder well, here's what I noticed. And this is why I think that's significant, or this is what I noticed for me. And so I was so reminded of that, of, you know, on the discussions that you brought to the table. But today we are discussing a little bit further, the 12 rules for life by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And today's rule, to, this week's rule is don't lie. Or at the very least, or, oh, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. This week's theme is tell the truth. At the very least, don't lie. Tell the truth. At the very least, don't lie. And you may think, well, what's the difference? What are, you know, what are we really talking about here? And again, I'm going to put my business out there so that you can fully understand how I interpret this lesson. And I want to illustrate it this way because... Sometimes we're not telling lies out in the world, but we're carrying a lie within ourselves, And that we have to deal and learn that the consequence of carrying that lie is what shuts us down in life, or it keeps us from being our fully creative, authentic self. So we're gonna go back in time a little bit. We're gonna go back to the early 70s. And I graduated from high school on May 25th. I was in college on June 4th. I wanted to go to college so badly that I found a university that had a vibrant summer school program where I could get started immediately because I wanted to get out of town. It's it's like I wanted my own apartment. I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to jumpstart my adult life and going to college was the way to do it. So I was in it 150% for about three full years. In fact, I went every summer for the next three years. I got to the point where by May of 1975, I only had 11 units to go. And I made the decision, I deserve the summer off. So I took the summer off. And never went back. Mm. Now, here's the lie that I told. I had parents that had sacrificed everything for me to go to college. I had kept convincing myself that I was just going to take a semester off. And that once I got back in the groove, I would probably even go back and start my master's program. So my mom was looking forward to graduation. You know we've seen some parodies online in the last few weeks about oh no you're walking across that stage because i paid for you to walk across that stage well that was kind of the attitude i didn't know that my mom had found out the date of what the commencement ceremony would be during the time that i should have graduated And it was in a phone call to her that I heard her say, well, you know, we're coming down. We'll be there at the end of June for your, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to do that. I'm just going to continue right on in school. I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to go through that ceremony. And it was like, okay, and why? And I said, well, what you need to know for a bachelor's degree is going to be 3,000 people standing up and 3,000 people standing, standing down. They're not actually going to walk across the stage like what you're thinking. And so she kind of heard that. And I went on about my life and I started to do what I needed to do, but I never went back to school. Life got in the way. I got to be an adult. I started to do what it was that I was doing. And then in 1978, I moved to California. And when I went to interview for that job that I had told you about, and I had shown the initiative to get past the security guard and to walk around to the parking garage and to go up for the interview and to meet Kasanoe for the very first time, he said, tell me about your college days. And I said, well, my four years of academic studies was with Indiana State University, I was a broadcasting and communications major and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think everything I learned during that four years is really going to benefit me and serve me in this job. Very good. And I go, (laughs) for the next 19 years, Mm. I stole told the lie. I did not lie, but I did not tell the truth. I told the story. my four years of academic studies was with Indiana State University. And then I started to get involved in this work that we do with this philosophy that we call science of Mind and the work that we're doing. And I thought I'm not being authentic. I have to put in the correction. So I enrolled at John F. Kennedy University, and at that time, it was in Irinda, California. Now it's in Pleasant Hill, California. And I went in and I said, look, I only need 11 units. I need to complete those 11 units, and then I'm going to start my master's work in psychology. And the woman looked at me, and she goes, "Well, that's very true. You only do need 11 units, but unfortunately, in the state of California, there's a minimum requirement of 36 units that you must take before you can go on and do your master's work." So I thought, "Oh, isn't that an interesting lesson that I just learned myself and just talked through myself? I've got to do what I got to do." And so I signed up, I took the classes, I got it, everything completed. And I got to the place that where in June of 1992, I was able to receive my degree and walk across the stage. So now mind you, mom is still back in East Central Indiana, believing that I had actually graduated sometime in 1975. But I called her and I said, what are you doing in the first week of June, I'd love for you to come to California. And she looked at me and said, so you're finally going to graduate? <laughs> <laughs> so she came to California and I wish I would have thought to have shown you the, the photo today, but it's at my commencement ceremony. She is holding on to my diploma, like it's a lifeboat and she's on the Titanic. You know, I mean, it's like, I really feel that in her imagination, in her world, she earned it, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's one of those things where I earned that life lesson to see what it was like to carry a lie for all those years. Carrying that lie, especially in a professional career, to where one constantly has to worry about being exposed for not telling the truth, exposed for not being who you say you are, having something that you truly care about to be taken from you or not to be able to be delivered because you were less than authentic about your experience. Now, on the other side of it, that story as to the authenticity of my story, because it shows how I travel through life and the decisions that I made and the consequences that came up and how we coped with them and how we can learn from those lessons to where now it's it's that opportunity to where even if I want to embellish my description of somebody's expression on their face, I'm still Tell the truth. You don't need to embellish here. You don't need to, even with these stories that I love to tell because I'm a storyteller, you don't need to edit the story for effect. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today in this rule for life, to tell the truth is freedom. To tell the truth is really showing up as your authentic self. You know, a teacher of mine in the early days of understanding this philosophy made a comment once, now, here's the graduate level of that. Your job is to only tell the truth that serves. And that helped me delineate the difference between my calling is not to put in the correction. My calling is not to come and, you know, wag the finger to let somebody else know how they might be living their life differently. When we are asked what we think, you know, think about um, Jack Nicholson in the, I forget the title of the movie, but where he goes, you can't handle the truth. You know, it's like when we are asked what we think, We really have to consider is this truth that we're about to tell going to serve the person who just asked for it? And so there's this opportunity when someone
3: says, I have these two items in my. uh... Sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No
2: worries. I wanted to know what those two items were. I knew they were going to be relevant to what we were doing. (laughs) So that said, that we have this opportunity in our life to really make sure that when somebody says, tell me what you think, to really go in and internalize and think, if I tell the truth, Will it serve the other person? And so one of the things that we can do to make that truth palatable to say, do you really want me to offer an idea or to couch it in a way to say, well, here's what I think. Do with it what you will. I'm just going to give you the information that you can work with. I'm going to offer my perspective But I do not come to the conversation with an expectation that you're going to change or do something differently unless you believe it serves you to do so. Does that make sense? Yes. I know. And so I think that now, Congressman Sanchez aside, one of the things why this is so important in a time like this we are seeing the unfoldment in our society where lying is acceptable for the higher gain. If it, you know, it's maybe even operating on that premise that we've often talked about. It's a lot easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. So I'm just gonna embellish this little story. I'm gonna embellish my resume. And really get the job. And then if I'm found out, then I'll tell the truth. And they'll love me so much that they'll just forgive me. They're going to forgive me. But that's not living a life of integrity. That's not living a life of what I would say is cultivating our highest authenticity. So that said, what say you all And what did you notice in the story? What resonated with you? What stood out for you? Did it remind you of a time when you had to carry a story? Uh, Or did you have a time when you wanted to tell the truth, but you felt that it didn't really serve the other person to do it? Anyone.
1: It reminded me, and one of the things that I, that I thought about when I read this rule is that um, you can also lie by omission. And, um, you know, recently that was a big thing um, big thing for me because I was lying um, by omission um, about uh, what was happening to me uh, in my personal life with the, uh, with my, relationship uh, ending, my marriage ending. Um, I didn't tell people about it. I didn't tell people that I had to move. And it was a lie. Um, and, it, and it was also um, a, a lie that didn't serve me and it was also disrespectful to uh, the people who I was close to. and And it was a lie that went on for a long time. <laughs> Um, so that's what it made me think about. Um, and and also uh, as I as I talk to my children and I tell them explicitly, um, you know, don't lie to me. If if I ask you something, um, tell me the truth or you can also say, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to answer that question. So th- those were the thing the two things that uh, that came up for me. I'm completely. Thank you, Kiki. One of the things that
2: I was reminded of when you said, and you know, and this was one of my first thoughts when this rule came up, for many of us in the LGBTQ plus community, it was not safe to tell the truth about who we are. And that's why I think this rule also supports because it's tell the truth or at least don't lie. And so we may not necessarily come out to everyone or we may not, Proclaim all of who we are if it's an environment that's not safe. But the the real lesson in that is, but don't lie. You know, for many of the men in my generation, um, they would carry the lie that they were married or had a girlfriend or they would have a best friend that would come to Thanksgiving and the holidays and pretend to be the girlfriend and you know people always knew something was off they just didn't know what to call it and many times in the job environment it's not safe to tell the truth but we have to be creative enough and authentic enough to who we are that we also don't create a lie that is going to backfire on us and come back to be even more negatively impacting of our life than had we just not said anything at all.
3: Who else? I've got a, uh, uh, a broader thought um, based on... I hope you have right two away. of them. You I, promised us two I, of I, them. I, I, <laughs> the, well, I have two, yeah. Uh, uh, not, not it's just observations, two observations. You One... First of all, thank you for sharing that story. it's it's uh, it's very illustrative of what we know, and we've all heard the expression what what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. So uh, eventually uh, things do catch up with that. And uh, if we don't uh, understand that now, uh, you know, these things get magnified and uh, later on become even much more uh, significant. Um, the second observation from a broader societal perspective is that I worry in in the world we live in where the and, and look I'll, I'll mention one example and I, I i always hate to mention politics in any discussion but i think of this this guy santos santos i has, said Sanchez.
2: I meant santos thank
3: you yes. yeah uh i think of someone who is as you as you said who i mean literally blatantly i mean not just sort of um just sort of omitted something, but went out of his way to manufacture untruths for for decades, right and and even though uh there's been a discovery about this path of just severe untruths, you know we see that it hasn't had and maybe it will right uh, but it hasn't had any devastating impacts on his at least his professional life. I don't know what's happening with his personal life, obviously. But in fact, he seems to be, by certain constituents, embraced even further. Uh, And i only point that out just to uh, reflect on how I think we live our lives, to some extent, being impacted and influenced by social norms. Mm -hmm. And when the norms um, sort of um, reward us for certain kinds of behavior, then we're likely to replicate those norms. Um, and, you know, we have lived for, for many years where we, we have been, you know, informed that there's no such thing as the truth, right? <laughs> and the truth varies, moving to the again. So um, I think that makes it harder for people to make conscious decisions about how truthful they will be when we live in a broader society where we begin to question, well, what does truth really mean?
2: Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I'm, I'm happy about is the Generation Z, the younger adults Mm -hmm. are not buying our lives. Mm -hmm. They're They're pointing out the hypocrisy. They're like, oh, no. And I'm holding this thought that we as elders can collectively fall on the sword, so to speak, and say, you know, you're absolutely right. This was wrong for us to do it this way so that they don't adopt that as the Mm. norm Mm -hmm. and think that, okay, you just say what you need to say in order to get by. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us that have carried the lies, um, get to tell the truth about how, even though we've normalized them, the burden and the consequence of carrying them Mm -hmm. sabotage our highest and best and our our most creative self. Mm -hmm. You know, the gentleman that you spoke of, one of the thoughts that I've had about him is he has no idea who he is. That he has spent his life creating illusions and personas and and taking on different attributes to get by for that moment and for that moment and for that moment to where even now he doesn't even remember all of the stories that he's told. Mm-hmm. And that's the great lesson about, you know, if you don't lie, then you don't have to remember a story, you know, <laughs> and, you know, we, you know, our elders taught us that, but we didn't really know what it meant until a time like this. So thank
4: you for that. Who else? Um, I just wanted to say that we have to be um, kindred spirits because my daughter did the exact same thing uh, to us or our daughter um, when she uh, was graduating from U of A uh, for the first time. And, uh, you know, of course, we're all excited and a big crowd of us go to Tucson to uh, sit at the graduation. And of course, she walks across the stage. And and so I told her, I said, hey, I want to get your uh, diploma framed for you. And so when you get your job in your apartment, you can ha- have something to hang on the wall. And we're waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and, weeks and no diploma uh, uh, comes. And finally, my spouse and I discussed it, and I said, "This is really something weird about this." So we called the parents of her best friend, and we said, "Hey, you know, Cassandra and Amaya had graduated at the same time. Has Cassandra gotten her degree?" She goes, "Oh, girl, yes, yeah, she got her degree weeks ago." And I was like, we were like." Mm. So finally, one day, uh, Pam was talking uh, to Amaya, our daughter, and she said, Hey, you know, you just need to be honest with us and, and tell us uh, what's going on with this, this degree. And so you know, we resolved it and, and, you know, we exercised some tough love and said, Hey, You know, we just spent about $45,000 for you to go to college. You're on your own now. And, you know, you're going to get a degree, but you're going to get it the best way you can. And she actually did um, get that degree and and went on to get a master's and she's doing really well. But what I wanted to say about the whole concept of a lie and learning to tell the truth, I really like the, the lesson of the day because I learned it very young, really, really young. And so I grew up as a preacher's kid. My dad was a fundamentalist preacher, Church of God in Christ. You know, wear clothing down to your knees, cover up your head if you can. You know, no uh, no shoes with, that showed your toes. All kinds of weird rules that they they had. And of course, you know, as a preacher's kid, as the pastor's kid, you know, you learn the Ten Commandments and blah 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 blah. But my dad and my mom were big smokers big smokers big forbidden rule of the Church of God in Christ and so I would constantly say well how can you how can you go to church and 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 you're smoking you're, you're smoking you're violating the rules and you know you're not telling you need to confess and you didn't you need to ask for forgiveness and my parents would just be so mad at me for just saying that they said you just don't tell anybody That we are, we smoke. That's none of your business and that's none of their business. So finally, I just, I was fed up with it. And I just said one day to them, I said, I am not going to lie. And this is why I'm not going to lie. Every time I walk out of your house, I smell like cigarette smoke. I'm 10, I don't smoke. My teachers and my friends know that I don't smoke, but they tell me I smell like cigarette smoke. I said, so if I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and Saturday and whenever else we have to go, they smell cigarette smoke on me. Everybody at the church knows I'm 10, I don't smoke. So if somebody asks me if you smoke, I'm going to tell them yes. Well, that caused my mother to immediately stop smoking. It didn't cause my dad to stop smoking at all. He
0: smoked, <laughs>
4: smoked until he, he died, but, but, but it just, you know, it just, one of the things as I think about it, as I was listening to you, I just recognize that we all have imperfections. And that <laughs> imperfection could be an outright lie, or as Kiki said, it could be a, a lie by, Omission, or sometimes not just even saying anything, uh, could perpetrate, per- perpetrate the lie. But we all have to reach deep and down inside of ourselves in order to come to that conclusion. Just like the lie is not going to to benefit me. And and what was so ironic about that story is the same thing that you said. You know, you have to lie. You have to tell another lie to support the lie that you told because you always forget the lie. That's exactly what my dad said to me. And yet he continued to perpetrate that lie about him smoking all of his life.
2: (laughs) Right, right. And I'm sure as a judge, you have seen some folks that have thought they were master liars. But there's this opportunity to, when we're in the presence of a liar, our body tells us something's not right. But we don't pay attention to it. We don't, you know, you may, at that commencement, you may very well have had an experience with your daughter that day to go, she's a little off. Oh, I bet she's just nervous throughout the day. Or, you know, it's like, we don't necessarily know what it means, but we know something something's not quite right. And it's like a mother knows that with her child, you know, just by a look, why won't you look me in the eye? Mm -hmm. I know, don't be looking down at the floor. You need to tell me the truth. And I think there's this opportunity, just as you said, that what we're doing in our teaching moments as elders is reminding them that they're human. And that this is a part of the human experience. And our job is to be the one to say, there's gonna be consequence for doing that. I know you did the best you did with what you thought you knew, mm-hmm. but don't don't play that. You know, one of the things that I tell, you know, my godson in life is that. You think you're doing stuff for the very first time. You think no one's ever done that before. Well, I'm here to tell you that one of the reasons why I can tell you're not being honest is because I've made up stories like that before. And I know that, you know, what I often find interesting with young people when they lie, they give you more of the story than what's necessary. And you're just kind of going, well, now, wait a minute. I didn't need to know what road you took and when you turned and, you know, all that. It's, I just asked where you were going. And it's, this is opportunity for us to be the example, the opportunity to go, okay, let's not just say, I'm sorry because oftentimes with our proteges or those that we're working, working with, they know to say, I'm sorry, gets them off the hook. But when you say, now, how are you gonna make it right? They're like, what are you talking about? I said, I was sorry. Well, no, you there, there's a lesson here. There's some atonement that has to happen. I have to understand as the elder, as the adult, that you understand why this went the way that it did, that there are consequences for that. And I don't, it's, it seems, you know, I just me being a witness to life out there in the world and kind of noticing how things happen, it seems that that's the part of the lesson that went away. Our parents held us accountable, you know, and we had to atone, we had to make it right, we had to work through the lessons of the consequence. Uh, That seems to also be less uh, present in today's world. Other thoughts?
0: Well, I know I learned about the consequences really early in my life. I had four older brothers two of which I caught one day on the back side of the garage roof, smoking. And when I called them out, they jumped up, put out the cigarette, ran up to the top of the garage, and then down on the front side, the younger one, because it was my oldest brother who was 17 years older, and the next brother who was 15 years older. So he runs down, skins the cat on a tree limb that's right next to it, and yells back, I bet you can't do that, Vernon. Well, Vernon said, Oh, yes, I can. And he came running down, missed the limb, fell down, broke both arms. And uh, I decided, Boy, it's a lot simpler to tell the truth. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Look at us. Look at us being human in this experience. <laughs> Look at us being human. What else? Anyone
1: else? Jamie has her hand raised. Okay.
5: Hi. So something that occurred to me as we were, as everyone was talking, um, is that I recently fell probably a couple weeks or so ago and hit my head. And I, uh, I didn't want to tell my daughter and I realized because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to, ad- want to admit, you know, and I'm thinking, well, <laughs> I'm older person, and I fell. So, like, I don't know what they would ass- what anybody would assume, but it's like those old commercials where you see a woman fall, and she goes, help, I can't get up. <laughs> That's what I equated it with. Anyway, uh, so I was embarrassed, but I realized I needed to say something to her, in case uh, there was something that happened later, any kind of repercussions, and I couldn't speak to medical personnel because she's my has my uh, agent for power of attorney for healthcare. So in case I couldn't speak, then she would need to know. I mean, it's nothing. It was it was not. There weren't any repercussions, but I didn't know that at the time. And so the next day or so, I did tell her. I decided it's. <laughs> It's better to be honest with her, she needs to know. So yeah, that's the thing that came to mind. Uh, It was pretty scary too, but she came, the one thing that really came, uh, great thing that came out of that whole thing is that um, some of you know, is that um, when she came over, um, she was telling me, you know, I know that's a traumatic thing, and it takes time to get better, and I was surprised she said that, and I said, yeah, I was really afraid, and we were, we were like, hugging each other, and uh, so I I, um, I started crying, and after a bit, we were both crying and holding each other, and it was, like, the most intimate thing that we have ever done together, and um, And we cried and cried together. And it was, you know, I said to her later, I said, you know, we really had a moment. She said, yeah, we did, Mom. So, you know, it's very touching. And uh, it's this great thing that came out of that. That's
2: wonderful. And that's the gift of finally telling the truth. And knowing that it's safe to tell the truth. And... We get to look at you know what I what I noticed in your story, Jamie, and that, that resonated with me is um, whenever I fall, um, I have this belief that okay, I studied theater, I did this, I know how to fall. So even if I fall, I'm going to get up quickly, and and nobody will ever know. Well, that might have worked in my 30s and 40s and you know early 50s, but now it means something different. And so we have to also look at our life as it is right now and decide, okay, what's the truth I need to be telling about my life? What's the truth that my children need to know? What's the truth? that my friends need to know uh, just so that we can better serve one another. You know, and if there's somebody in your life right now that you don't feel safe in telling them the truth, well, notice that. Notice that and put in the correction. Maybe it's time to, honor that that person has been in your life. There was a gift and thank you very much. But now I'm going to have a different experience. I'm only going to surround myself with people who accept my authenticity, who people who it is safe to tell the truth to, because I want my last experiences to be loving and gracious experiences like the one that Jamie had with her daughter. Good stuff. Anything else as we wrap up today's session? I hope that you uh, are enjoying these conversations and these little get-togethers. And you know, we'll have another one the same date in March. When we'll wrap up the Twelve Rules for Life, and we're looking at you know what's going to be our next book for the next quarter. So we've got some good juicy options that'll be out there. But I'm really thankful that each and every one of you are here. I'm really thankful that you're participating, even if it's just a very gracious head nod, you know, that, that feels good and that helps. Does anybody have anything they would like to offer as we close today?
0: Well, I want to thank everybody for sharing because I think every time uh, we share, we reveal more of the truth. And um, because even when it's about us individually, it has a universal application. And so um, for me, the first time I could really be authentically me was when I joined our group with uh, Elder Pride and we meet every day and have It's kind of a renewal time because I can be fully me and not worry about judgment and uh, that kind of thing. So I appreciate that you created this Reverend Jack. It's great. Hey, 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 before you go, I want to
2: invite you to check out Living Out Loud. It's a daily drop-in gathering via Zoom For all those that are a part of the LGBTQ community, our elders that are 50 or above, and those that love them, come together every day at 3.45 p.m. Pacific time for 90 minutes of great discussion. We're taking a deep dive into understanding how life got to be the way that it is and how we move from where we are to where we want to be go to elderprideforme.org and click on the link living out loud and you'll see the wonderful opportunities that are there for you to join us live each and every day on monday, tuesdays and fridays we do a great work at looking at creating and cultivating our authenticity and then on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we offer what is called a certificated course from the Centers for Spiritual Living. And the course that we're offering for the months of March and April is known as Treatment and Meditation. It's all free. We'd love to have you jump in. And for more information, visit us at the website. Thank you for listening.
1: You've been listening to Remember When. A podcast presented by Elder Pride 2023. This podcast has been produced and edited by Reverend Jack Elliott and Kiki. Find the Remember When podcast wherever you get your podcast. Copyright 2022, Elder Pride Incorporated, and Reverend Jack Elliott. For more information, visit elderprideforme.org or write us at elderprideinfo at gmail.com.